what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence itself. Everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike Podcast, episode number 27. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Mike, and today we are going to be talking to Professor Fabio Vihi. Fabio is a professor at Cardiff University where he teaches critical theory and Italian. Now, I first came across the work of Fabio Vihi through a mutual friend, which is Rick Moon. I am a regular guest on Rick Moon's TNT radio show called Locked Unloaded. Now, when I was first invited on the show with Rick, I decided I'd better check some of his previous episodes to find out what the format's like, what the tempo is like. And I clicked on a show and it just so happened to be an interview with a man called Fabio Vihi. So that was how I first came across the work of Fabio. And Fabio was speaking about the state of the global economy and the global financial system and he was talking about the incoming collapse or the potential for collapse a debt bust as I often call it and I was immediately attracted to the ideas of Fabio because he was speaking about things that I speak of also but the way he was speaking about them was a very refreshing take and I was surprised when I learned that Fabio was actually a professor of critical theory I thought this person probably has a background in investing or something to do with finance at least because he really understands the problem of the global debt time bomb that now exists and how this system that we have is ultimately decaying into something rotten, warped, and it's probably going to be superseded by a form of totalitarianism. Now, me and Fabio actually ended up having a lot in common because like Fabio, I don't come from a finance background either. I studied theology at university and my first profession was working with people in a therapeutic setting. And Fabio's the same. He approaches these problems from a more philosophical perspective, and I think that's why his thoughts are so unique and refreshing. So in tonight's show, we explore that. We try to get to the heart of the problem and I try to get Fabio's take on what are the root causes of the decay of capitalism. I try to uncover, is this something that was always predetermined? Is this something that we was destined to wind up at because all empires fail? We have cycles, as we know. Or is this something that could have been avoided? Now, Fabio has his own take on it and I'm sure it's going to challenge many people. But ultimately, that's what we're here for, is to learn new things, is to hear new ideas. And I have to say, I think Fabio is one of the most exciting commentators out there when it comes to finance and understanding this debt collapse that we are now entering. So that's high praise from me. If you like my content, well, Fabio's the person or one of the very few people that I listen to. So I think you're going to love this conversation. I certainly did. 
I loved being a part of it. I would love to speak to Fabio again in the future. I'm going to leave it there for the introduction. Members, please head over to parallelmic.com where you can sign in to listen to the full episode. Please join us in the forum afterwards where we can discuss the episode. And I'd love to hear your take on this one, what you thought of the conversation and what you would like to ask Fabio. And maybe I can put those questions to him in another episode in the future. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're all well, healthy and happy. And of course, like always, I will see you in the next one. Hey, hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast. We are joined here by Fabio Vigi. Fabio is a professor of critical theory and Italian at Cardiff University. Uh, Fabio, I came across your work, as I just mentioned, through a mutual friend, which is Rick Moon. And we've both been on his show. Uh, Rick's actually been on this podcast as well, although we uh, had quite a different conversation to what I think we're going to have, or maybe not. We actually spoke about end times, Fabio. So mm. <laughs> maybe we will be speaking yes. about that. I don't know. You, I'll have to get your take on it. But uh, before we get into anything, Fabio, thank you so much for giving us your time. I'm a really big fan of your work, uh, and I think we're going to have a fantastic conversation. But be, uh, before we get into that, maybe just give listeners a little bit of background on who you are and how you ended up kind of speaking about these topics related specifically to the financial system. Well, thank you, Mike, first of all, for inviting me uh, to your show. Um, I'm, I work at Cardiff University. I'm a professor at Cardiff University. I teach mostly critical theory, um, which is a contemporary branch of uh, continental philosophy, uh, really, uh, and film studies. Um, and I'm also part of the Italian department there. Um, I've been, you know, recently I've been, obviously I've been talking about the crisis of what I see as being the crisis of contemporary capitalism for a long time now, not just you know in the last two or three years, um, but with events particularly related to the pandemic, um, this uh, kind of frustration uh, with regard to what I what I call crisis capitalism, so a capitalism that lives and 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 moves on from crisis to crisis. Uh, let's say now uses crisis almost as a a reproductive method um, has become the frustration has become more and more um, obvious uh, for me, and so I needed I, I needed to kind of express it uh, a bit more directly. That's why I've been I've been more active, let's say, also in, in social media recently. Even though I don't really have a, a social media profile myself, um, but um, so yes, I've been I've been sort of. Um, studying really more and more the way in which the capitalist economy today manages to function or not to function. Um, and, um, you know, always with a kind of philosophical approach to it, right? I'm not at all engaged in um, um, you know, studies in, in economic science, uh, um, I'm, I, I, I sort of look at the economy from a philosophical standpoint. In, in other words, I try to get to the presuppositions. I try to understand the presuppositions behind the, um, the, this hyper-financialized economic system that we have today. Um, so I'm trying, you know, I, tr- I try to kind of dig deep into, into what, is, um, you know, what is causing the system to to function or not to function, and and what what are the roots, the root causes for crisis as 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 we have it today. Um, so, 
Um, my approach is very interdisciplinary, obviously very eclectic in many ways. Um, but I think that fundamentally, I think that if you don't understand how the economy works today, then you don't really have access to understanding your own world. Basically, you've got to understand the, the economics as the dominant discourse, if you like, the dominant ideology of today's um, globalized world. Um, much more than politics, for example, right? Much more than even geopolitics, I think the economy, despite the fact that it's related to politics and geopolitics, etc., cetera, um, and culture, um, without understanding how, <clears throat> you know, the, the economy works. It's very difficult to understand where you are in the world and 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 what will what will come at you in the future. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, Fabio, uh, and and I extend it to everything as well. Like history, like you can't really make sense of history. You get this kind of bleached narrative of how events and happenings occurred, but unless you actually go into the financial underpinnings of what was going on and where the money was moving around at that point it really gives you just a very sanitized view of the world yeah. with good reason because when you do look at what was actually happening financially it can completely change the narratives and the understanding of where the power was and who was actually you know why was that event actually happening and i, I think that's why i really love your work fabio because you come at it from a very different uh, perspective if you speak to somebody who's purely in finance it can be a very uh, sterile perspective it's all to do right. with money and and gain uh, on your recent episode uh with rick moon you started to talk fabio about where you think we actually are right now at this present moment and i thought that might be a really cool starting point just to get your kind of ten thousand foot view because we've had some we've had some let's say events in the financial markets this year we've got quantitative tightening and we know you can't tighten a Ponzi scheme for long. That would bring down the system. So where do you think we are? And what's your kind of outlook just for the next, let's say, six months? Yeah, I like to start from, from the beginning, in a sense. We live in a, I think we live in a, in a it's fair to say we live in a debt-based or credit-based uh, economy. Uh, meaning that uh, for a while now, not just over the last three years, but over, over a few decades, at least, it's become very obvious that our society... Uh, our societies really function only insofar as you can create more monopoly money, what we can call monopoly money, more magic money out of nowhere. You know, that, hence the notion of mouse-clicked uh, capitalism that you often, or keystroke capitalism that you often hear about today. In a sense, you have to create money uh, and credit um, out of nowhere in order to help society reproduce themselves. That's the basic point and this has not just happened overnight this is something that's been going on i would argue since a good part of the 20th century right um, in other words the system the capitalist system has needed more and more um, injections of um, external credit credit that doesn't come from revenues or, or taxation etc but it's really created um, out of nowhere by central banks mostly uh, but also by banks more generally and, and um, in, in order to help economies reproduce themselves, right? Um, so in a sense, um, the basic formula of capitalist, the capitalist mode of production or of capitalist reproduction um, is no longer sufficient to reproduce our society. The basic formula, as I understand it, is uh, money invested into labor uh, to create more money. 
the purpose is always and has always been with capitalism to make two dollars out of one let's say right you have to make more money out of, of an amount of money that you have the the difference with let's say a more traditional kind of capitalism and today's hyper financialized capitalism is that the old formula is no longer enough no longer enough to create wealth simply by investing in labor power right and that was really the original uh, formula the original recipe that allowed capitalism as a social formation to overcome let's say the feudal society the feudal system like maybe what 500 years ago or so when all of a sudden labor appeared on the market as a commodity to be bought and sold uh, for a certain amount of money that abstraction because it is an abstraction ultimately you know the transformation of of work of the human interaction uh, with nature into a commodity into something that you can buy and sell <clears throat> according to a certain quantitative calculation of it which we know as being labor time right uh, so all that is what allowed capitalism to establish itself initially um, and of course then that that logic became uh, or that dynamism became hegemonic and very powerful with the first industrial revolution at the end of the 18th century and more and more dominant, right, as industrialization um, took over, uh, etc. Uh, what we have today, so to get, your, to get your question, what we have today is an economy that is based more and more on virtual speculations. Uh, in other words, an economy that uh, attempts to do away with the labor mediation. Um, it's, it's money making money work rather than money making labor work, right? And, and, and that has become, the, I think, has become the driver of, of the whole system. So the financial sector, I'm, I'm, I'm saying something that we, I'm sure we agree on. Financial sector now is the dominant sector of the economy. And the dominant sector, of the, the financial sector, insofar as it's based on endless speculations, uh, requires a constant stream of credit, right? Or debt, depend, depending which way you want to look, look at it. You know, you can think of it as debt, obviously. Um, and, and, and that credit means injections and injections of you know, money supply, essentially, into the economy itself. The result of this again, looking at it you know, from a bird's eye perspective, is inevitably devaluation, monetary devaluation. Because the gap between the, the amount of credit that you need to make the economy work and the actual production of wealth in the real economy, for example, GDP, measured as GDP, is constantly increasing. Um, so more and more money is required to make the real economy work to the extent that we could argue that real GDP creation has itself already been colonized by insubstantial monopoly money, by insubstantial credit, by insubstantial, I mean, created out of nowhere. <clears throat> so without any real basis in wealth production. You know, um, so I think that's the, the big 
problem that we need to we need to at least be aware of in order to then be able to solve at some point in the future. The big problem is that we have an implosion going on. This implosion manifests itself today very clearly in the crisis of money, right? We are within a secular type of inflation that you know, is very different from all types of inflations that we had in the past. I don't know, remember the famous one is the tulip um, uh, bubble explosion and blah 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 so we have a different kind of, we have different kind of impl- inflation and and in the past but today really inflation and the money devaluation has become um has become uh, chronic you know it's kind of secular it's it's where we are and it's not going to go away precisely because it is a symptom of this credit addiction that that we we have built into into our um economies um so i i think in you know in this sense we can talk about end times also right and but i i think end times in terms of a civilization a civilization that has lasted for centuries and that now is approaching its its terminal crisis and it's panicking it's desperately trying to not see the problem to avoid looking at the problem in the eye because Obviously, there is no plan B at the moment. And hence, my idea that crisis capitalism can only survive through emergencies, by creating or manipulating global emergencies that then have a specific role in attempting to um, create, once again, the presupposition for this system to, to, to continue, despite the fact that if you look at it for what it is, the system is, we are in slow motion collapse. We are in, in already in, 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 a, in a collapsing state, but it's a slow motion, it's a diluted one, which perhaps prevents us from seeing, you know, the, the, the kind of the collapsing dimension of it, if you like, because it's, it, it's gradual, I think. And, and going back to your, again, question about the financial sector, I think, I think there's there's not many options in capitalist terms. It's either either going back to, to easy money, so either going back to a quantitative easing type of type of uh, uh, monetary policy, flooding the economy with cheap money, lowering interest rate, etc., which might well happen again soon, right? Or stick with this. Um, uh, higher for longer kind of policy that we have with interest rate, making money more expensive, which, however, um, the risk is always that it creates not only, it, it not only destroys the real economy because it makes credit um, less available, less easily available to, to businesses. But it also, it also is a problem for the financial sector, which, as we know, runs on cheap money you know by definition it needs a constant flow of cheap money to function so the danger is that you know if you if you continue to 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 hike uh, rates everything will collapse maybe starting from the financial sector and then affecting the rest of <clears throat> society and do, and so on which of course in a in a globalized um, interconnected economy it's tragic for everybody the other option is 
is to uh, destroy the currency through inflation, but at the same time saving the financial sector, attempting to save the financial sector, right? Um, so it, both both options are worse. That's always my my take on this. One perhaps implies a more gradual um, implosion, whereas whereas the, you know if we had a market crash today, of course there would be uh, um, it would be deflationary, but at the cost of massive destruction on the ground uh, and everywhere and everywhere. So you know, and and I think I think those who are those who are in control of this, those who more or less, um, you know, are managing the situation, if you like, or attempting to manage, they are aware that there is no, that they've run out of rabbits, you know, to take out of the hat. They're very much aware of it. And, and maybe this is why they are uh, prolonging, trying to prolong this kind of agony that we're in at the moment, whilst maybe attempting to bring in a new infrastructure, for example, a monetary infrastructure that might be more centralized. And here we can talk about CBDCs, if you like. You diagnosed it exactly uh, as I do, but I, I'm a little bit more fatalistic in that I think if we if we continue to tighten, we, we will very quickly start to see things fall apart because there yeah. will be kind of, there's like those unknown risks and it's like, where's it going to manifest in the banking sector or... Uh, a hedge fund blows up and then someone gets bailed out. And then it's like those dominoes always start to fall. But do you think, Fabio, just before we move on, that yeah. if they print one more time, which is, uh, that was always my initial kind of thesis was that, well, they're going to tighten until they can't tighten any longer. Then there'll probably be some narrative that appears that gives them the the legitimacy to print some more money the same way it did with COVID. They right. needed some narrative. But this time it'll be so big and the inflationary wave will be so high that that really will be like the final chapter yeah. of this uh, money, monetary system because I don't think you'll get it down again, the inflation. I mean, if you look back at past hyperinflations, once you get over 50%, it's kind of a done deal. You're going you're going to thousands of percent. Uh, no, is but that how you see it, Fabio? Or do you I, think I, there's a middle middle road here? That I, can no, I don't, think, I don't think there's a middle. There's a, there's a, I agree with you that this, it's, it's unmanageable. This system is unmanageable if... I agree with you that I think they're waiting or they're waiting for the next crisis, big global crisis, to revert to easy money uh, and to lower interest rates and 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 blah blah blah. Right? They need to do it also because the debt is out of control and they themselves cannot repay their own debt. You know, <laughs> so it's it's even at a national um, um, in a national dimension. But yeah, your question is whether they'll be able to control it or not. I think I think the only way to control it is to to destroy or to control demand in the real economy right which which turns then our society into into a full-blown authoritarian or totalitarian society even um because i think they've, they've i think they're already doing it they've already done it with covid for example right putting a lid on demand real demand in the real economy is the only way in which they can they can expand the monetary supply you know, which projects us into a, a crazy neo-feudal type of capitalist scenario where the super rich maintain their control, if you like, 0.01, but all the others are slowly, gradually forced into a situation of control. So control what we spend, control how we spend, et cetera, et cetera, right? Which is the kind of Orwellian 
scenario that a lot of people have been talking about, I think it's quite real. I think it's quite real because there's, there's no longer an escape route for capitalism. You know, this, this, in the 80s and 70s, the escape route was a financialization. You hit, you hit a barrier, an internal limit in value production. So there's a flight, there's an escape into the financial sector where money just becomes magic, magic money and reproduces itself more or less on a, different, on a different level from the real economy. Now that has become true. Um, but now there's no other escape trajectory in capitalist terms. There's nothing else you can do except try and control the contradictions that you live in. And, and obviously the major contradiction is inflation, is the devaluation of the money medium. Money as a store of value is, is being destroyed. Um, try and control it, but you can all, my, my fear for the future generations is that you can only control it in, in, in authoritarian ways. So, and I whether guess, it will that succeed would be really or not. useful for them to lock us down. And I mean, it controls the money velocity. If they've just printed a load of notes right. and given us some basic income, if you can yeah. then say, well, you can only spend it at the, at the four big chain stores. You can only spend it here or there. Oh, no, you've got to be locked down again. It's like a new lever they've added to the system, isn't it? Yeah. So whether it will succeed or not, I'm not sure. It's, it's a desperate, from that point of view, no matter how evil it is, it's also desperate. Because it's almost like in order, in order to, to, to continue to reproduce our own wealth, even or our own control, our own power structures, we need to keep the plebs under more control. Forget about free market capitalism. Forget about consumerism even you know uh, it's a different kind of consumerism that we're going into you know consumption will be regulated um, a, a whole ideological a different ideological machine has to has to be put in motion here um, new strategies of convincing people to accept being controlled um, will have to be put into place and I think I think we are going from COVID to me it became very from you know from 2020 it became more and more clear that this is the direction of travel, unfortunately, um, and that the system, because it is imploding, can only survive through more control. Not only surveillance. Surveillance is not enough. Control, like proper control of very real things like consumption, for example, right. Um, and again, I'm not sure whether and or how it will pan out, whether people will uh, react, how they will react, what sort of other forms can emerge from it. Um, a crisis of this uh, magnitude can also create the conditions for something new to emerge. We don't know. Um, but certainly, it's, it's, it's not looking good for the future <laughs> generation I, no. I, I think we can say that <laughs> it's not looking good for our generation for our, for our generation got some and, years left too yeah i'm talking of, yeah i'm talking also i'm, I'm thinking more about the future and my, my kids etc what kind of world they will grow in what kind of pressures new ideological pressures new forms of control you know etc etc that will be needed by this system to continue to produce itself but um well, I'm a yeah. little bit. I'm a little bit more. Well, I'm yeah. as pessimistic as everyone. I'm. I'm certainly as pessimistic as you, Fabio. But I'm also optimistic in the sense that mm. um, I think the system's 
going to devour itself uh, and there's going to yeah. be a big power vacuum and there's a big question mark as to where it all ends up. I mean, I think wherever it ends up from here, it will be catastrophic. So, I mean, it could have, could we see hundreds of millions perish? Could we see billions perish? Probably, maybe, I don't know. But uh, I think ultimately whatever has to, whatever, whether they succeed or whether they fail, it's going to be like a cataclysmic event and, mm -hmm. and it's not going to be pretty, but I do think for, I think our younger generations uh, are just going to grow up in in a different world, it's, and and they're going to have to adapt to that whatever that world is. I think we we have this kind of archetype of of different generations. I, I think they're going to have to assume the role of as a heroic generation uh, and fight these battles. I mean, we're kind of there, but as it stands right now, they are being heavily heavily indoctrinated psychologically and right. and, and almost geared up for the next system of control to need much more state interference in the life of the individual and they are welcoming that uh, but i don't think that's i think the backlash from that's going to be huge as well fabio what, yeah. what are your thoughts on that i i agree with you i mean the, the situation I'm, I'm pessimistic but in pessimism in this sort of critical pessimism there are also forms of optimism right i think because as you say it opens up the situation at some point the situation will become open so my my standpoint is always this that no totalitarian system will succeed um, for more than maybe a few years. At, at some point, the contradiction will emerge. It's impossible to totalize the human condition, uh, you know, to deprive it of freedom, uh, to deprive it of. So um, I think it, it, even with AI, with all the you know the forms of control that they have now at their disposal, um, I think there will always be. The humans will always will always be able to say no to something, and I think this capacity to say no is where freedom begins, right? To say no, I won't comply, I won't do this, right? You're telling me to do this, you're trying to convince me to do this for whatever good reasons I should do it, but I'm I'm going to say no, and I'm going to stick to that no, uh, even if I don't understand why exactly I should say no, or you know I I don't really. But I know that I that I have to say no because otherwise there's no freedom left for me. So I think this will be the challenge of the new generations. Will they be able to say no where it matters? Um, and then what will grow from that refusal to comply is okay, as you say, the beginning maybe of something new, of a different different way of organizing our lives in a you know different ways of organizing the social bond. Um, which we'll have to rely on, that's my ultimate point, we'll have to rely on totally different presuppositions. You know, forget about the, the capitalism, forget about the, 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 the categories of capitalism. You really have to think about a new way of living together that is not based on consumption, is not based on trying to make more $2 out of one, you know, um, it's not I mean, based how, on, how many, how not based many on labor pieces time. Of, of corn or, or, or potatoes from the ground would you have to create to back this back the system of trillions <laughs> or quadrillions of derivatives? Like you know, what I mean, you you're so right that it's so decoupled now from no, any yeah. material reality. It, it is pure metaphysical, yeah, <laughs> immaterial yeah. wealth everywhere. But do you think that that there is this cleansing has to be done anyways, Fabio? Because it seems to me like your critique on capitalism also suggests that this was always pre kind of baked right. into the cake where it ends up. Yes, here. right. I think the problem with, with uh, for example, Marxism, traditional Marxism, is that they thought that capitalism could be um, 
opposed by an external force and, or an, eternal, an external type of subjectivity. And that subjectivity was the proletariat, the working class, etc. right? What they never really accounted for is this, the internal contradiction, that, that capitalism will devour itself, right? And um, they always wrongly presuppose that capitalism is a kind of perpetual motion machine that will never stop, that, it, that money, wealth will always be created one way or another, and it's just a matter of appropriating it in a different way. Uh, or distributing it in a different way if you want to look at a different kind of. Um, the problem, however, is that the capitalism is more and more unable to produce the wealth that is needed to be distributed or, or to be appropriated, right, for the well-being of society. So that implosion is the result of an internal limit to, 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 to capitalist reproduction. Um, understanding that I think is crucial to understand how we could move from it, move away from it, and create different kind of conditions. Different kind. You want the decoupling is, is, is as you say now is just so clear to see, right? It's so obvious to see that the the the, the, the virtual simulated economy just has no uh, correspondence in the real in the real wealth production. Well, you you real, don't want to buy um, an NFT, Fabio, of right. a monkey scratching his butt for uh, $100,000? You tell me what, what I should do. I mean, even, <laughs> even at, that, at that level, people need to survive, right? People need to make a living to try and, and live within capitalism because we're still within, within that system. So I, I'm, not, I'm not here to blame people who try to do that. But what I'm saying is that you still have to understand that, that the presuppositions are no longer working. So the system is, is, you know, capital, as I think Marx said that at some point, even if he was ambiguous about the reasons why capitalism will, be, will, will collapse, is that, you know, the, the, the strongest enemy of capitalism is capital itself. Mm-hmm. This drive to this obsession with creating wealth, uh, 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 Profits, etc. Now is, is is creating only catastrophes, um, and and it's creating this kind of crazy <clears throat> authoritarianism, um, totalitarianism that I think is coming back. But again, like you, I'm, I'm I, I can't just be pessimistic. Um, I think that I'm I'm actually Hegelian, right, um, in my thinking. So I know that that the system, every system, goes through a point of negativity from which it can't recover. Any longer, and 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 therefore a new type of system emerges from it, a new type of civilization even emerges from it. And I think now we are approaching that moment of negativity, but it's been it's been somewhat hidden from us. There's all sorts of manipulation going on, um, but I I also have faith in a sense in, in in the future generations being able to see it, perhaps even more clearly than than we can. It's, okay. it's it's difficult to predict, right? It's difficult to predict. This can go on for another hundred years, two hundred years, who knows? Or or it can go on for much much shorter time. And and and, and... It, it feels to me, Fabio, that like what's happened is we've got to the end of the biggest of cycles, like a like an empire cycle, uh, a monetary cycle, a civilization. Uh, and what they've tried to do is to stop us from having 
I mean, it, they always end catastrophically, but I always frame everything cyclically. I, I don't believe that we have this um, plane-like trajectory that just goes up and up. Uh, and at the end, if you framed it like spring, summer, autumn and winter, we should be having, we're in the winter, but it should end. And then there should be a spring, but it feels like they don't want to let go of the power and they don't want wealth to be redistributed. They actually want to say, no, we're going to hoard every, we're actually going to take everything, you know, everything from you. Uh, and you're going to have a perpetual dark winter. You'll never escape it. And that's what CBDCs would be. It'd be like, we're adding a new layer of debasement to humanity and the money as well. Yeah, well, this is exactly what they're trying to do to prolong this sort of agony, right? So the system is no longer working. It's not benefiting uh, most people. It's benefiting only a few people. Um, as, as I said, the work societies are collapsing. Society is being desocialized, we could argue. It's been desocialized for a long time insofar as the social bond is no longer working. And we see that. We see that every day, I think, you know, when we go around, we, we see that the things are crumbling, that the, the social bond is no longer working. Um, and yet we are led to believe that, that, yeah, the system is fine. There's still GDP going up, even if it's a small percentage. Um, people, I mean, it's a kind of religion, right? You know, there's a famous fragment written by Walter Benjamin, a critical theorist. Um, a century ago, more than a century ago, when you wrote that the, the, the capitalism is a cultic religion. Um, we all believe that it will never run out, that we all believe somehow that belief has been internalized, it's been naturalized, you know, that the system will continue, will, you know, every crisis is just an opportunity for another boom, right? So we haven't quite understood yet that that we live in a crisis-to-crisis crisis mechanism. There's no way out of this crisis because the production of wealth is more and more inhibited and has been more and more inhibited since the Third Industrial Revolution in the 1970s, where more and more labor was being eliminated than, it, than the system could reabsorb. You know, this is, this is not because... I don't think this is because some evil financial elites have planned it this way. I think it's because there was no other way for the system to reproduce itself. The very objectivity of the system could only reproduce itself precisely by escaping into financialization, simply because the labor economy was no longer profitable, profitable enough, right? So there is a subjectivity. There, is, there, are, there are people driving this, steering this implosion, as it were, but there also is, and that's the fundamental issue, an objective mechanism that we have internalized almost as a kind of secular religion and that we believe in. And we believe that, yes, there are ways in which we can get out of this crisis. Some people believe in redistribution of wealth. Some people believe in, in a different kind of type of economic arrangement. The truth is that the very substance of capital is vanishing, right? The substance of capital, insofar as it's created by labor power, is vanishing. And what we're living is a kind of compensatory mechanism where the financial sector, the credit addiction, uh, and so on and so forth, try to compensate for this vanishing mass of value that is, that is disappearing globally. Um, but I think until we understand that, 
we're always going to be um, hypnotized, right, if you like, by this cult that will tell us again and again, don't worry, inflation will go away and we will go back to growth if only we implement, I don't know, this and that correctly, right? Or they will always make you believe that it's human error that has caused this or even or even human human um, um, greed, right? It's a, it's a problem of human greed. As a matter of fact, it's a problem of the system that is no longer working. The objective law of the system is no longer working. And then there, there are, of course, greedy people who are trying to take advantage of that and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, again, Marx called capital an automatic subject, automatic subject. So a subject that creates a kind of objective law, a, a, an objective dy- dynamism that we simply inherit, that we can't do much about it. It becomes our second, it identifies us. If you see what I mean, right? And and the problem is that this objective dynamism of the of capitalist capitalist mode of production is is now uh, you know on its last legs. It's no longer working, and that's why I think we're approaching <clears throat> terminal crisis. We are in a terminal crisis of of a terminal crisis of what of value production. That's the fundamental point, right? We are an, as as societies we are unable to produce the, the value economic value that is needed for the reproduction of society. Hence, compensatory mechanism, financialization of the economy, which, however, create precisely unmanageable contradictions such as the devaluation of the money medium, the devaluation of of fiat currencies, right? Fiat currencies, of course, were always going to be devalued at some point because they are fiat currencies. They're not backed by anything anymore. That they have been deregulated, you know, since 1971. That's the final uh, uh, Nixon's deregulation of of the dollar, which was really, in a sense, was the final nail in the coffin. Because from that moment on, you really you really step into the time of secular inflation or secular devaluation, right? Because money becomes just something that you can create out of nowhere. Um, so should we be worried, Fabio? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know the answer to this one. Should we be worried that central banks are, are buying so much gold right now? It's almost like they understand that their debt instruments are going to fail and there's going to be a demand for, for something pure that's actually got intrinsic value because the, the level of buying is at record numbers. Um, and it all feels like it's all aligning. The stars are aligning for some kind of global monetary reset. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another, de- I think, quite desperate measure in in in, in a way because, again... I don't think you can go back to um, an economy where your currency is 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 backed by um, a precious metal like gold, for example. It's no longer possible because we, we we're beyond that, well beyond that. We've inflated our currencies to a point where you cannot just simply uh, return to the gold standard. You know, even if they're saying that the, like the BRICS, for example, BRICS plus, you know, they're kind of hinting at the fact that they want to do it. To link their commodity, their, their um, fiat, their money, their currency, to a uh, commodity like oil, perhaps or gold, like I don't think they'll be able to be able to do it. I think it's really impossible because even they have inflated so much their currencies that they cannot then bring them back to that connection with with a finite 
um, precious metal. So um, there's, uh, you know, th there's a lot of geopolitical games that have been played today. There's this BRICS plus the de-dollarization, uh, all these geopolitical threats, which can easily turn into a another world war. Uh, they could, even I, I don't think that necessarily would happen. But uh, there's always that threat. Um, the truth is that no matter where you are in China, in Russia, in, uh, in in Europe or in the US, we're all dancing on the same Titanic, right? We're all dancing together here. We, we're all facing the same fundamental problem, which is a problem of value creation, which translates as um, currency inflation or currency devaluation. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, so I don't think there's an alternative within um, within the kind of globalized world we live in today. Um, no matter how much gold you store, um, you know. It, gold... I, I was thinking more, Fabio, that maybe they're storing that gold for the collapse of the system, or maybe the unintentional or controlled yeah. demolition. That it's like, well, if you want to buy our rice, we, what are you going to give me? Uh, only gold. It's almost like preempting the really chaotic stage where there's nothing left, nobody trusts anything yeah. anyone's got to say or offer oh, but gold. Yeah. I, I, I agree that that could could happen. You know, this this could definitely happen. But it wouldn't resolve the fundamental issues that we're dealing with, right? It's again, it's just a way of, of deferring really um the real the real issue. How uh, it, how much do you think this issue though is the system itself let me phrase it another way. How much of this is the corruption that infests every system at some point rather than the structure of the system itself? Because yeah. right now I'd say the corruption is so visible, Fabio. It's absolutely mm -hmm. everywhere. You can't look at a politician without finding out about at least 10 illegal things they've done or uh, some past dodgy dealings, financial workings of these politicians, whether investing in the stock market, the preempting the trades, all kinds of stuff. And that's probably the better stuff. I mean, if you look at the worst stuff, yeah. it's the darkest stuff you could think of a lot of them. So the system's completely rotten. Yeah. But we did have that kind of glory glory period between family capitalism and where we are now, which is the death of this globalized system. There was like a nice period for, for some of us. <laughs> Don't get some me wrong. Us, if, you, yeah. if you lived in the global South, it wasn't very nice at all. You were still being exploited to hell. Uh, but my, I guess my point in that is, is it was that just a phase of the system or, or is there a way to find a balance between the production of natural resources um, and nature's economy and this financialized economy? Or does it always go here? Or is it that layer of of black and corruption that comes into the system because those people are not wanting to redistribute anything. I mean, when they redistribute wealth today, Fabio, it's redistributing debt notes. They're not saying, oh, Fabio, here's a piece of land, go provide for your family. You know, it's like, okay, we'll give you some compensation in the form of paper money, which is just more debt. It's just more debt creation. Yeah, I think I think corruption will always emerge when you have a system dying. It's every epoch, you know, the end of the Roman Empire, think of that. Every collapsing civilization has produced monsters. You know, the final stages, you always get the monsters, the, the most monstrous manifestations of that system, as it were. And I think, you know, we're seeing that now. And uh, we've been seeing it for a while, to be honest. Um, but I, th I think, I still think that we would make a mistake if we only targeted the corrupt. So if we only turn it into a subjective problem that a few a few individuals 
are doing very bad things because these individuals are ultimately the functionaries of a systemic logic. The systemic logic that we're talking about is based on money-making, um, creating more money out of money. This is the driver, and it has been for a long, long time. It has created a lot of, a lot of you know, killing machines. Think about the, second, the two world wars of the, of the 20th century. These are based on um, cap capitalism fundamentally, or capitalist reproduction. Um, uh, so, and then, of course, it took the massacres of the Second World War to get 30 years of, oh, yeah, we're doing okay here in the center of, 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 of capitalist societies. But, yeah, without, you know, Fordism wouldn't have arrived without the Second World War. So without the massacres of the Second World War, that was allowed precisely by that massive investment in technologies and in the industrial military industrial complex that came that then resulted in, in the second world war um, so i think once again there's clearly a subjectivity a financial subjectivity steering the machine but the machine as, a, as an internal logic of its own which is a blind logic it's an impersonal logic it's um, almost an unconscious logic that drives the system forward. And the system needs to make more money out of money. The system, you know, it needs to self-valorize all the time to create more value, more value, more economic value out of value. Um, and, and, you know, we, we tend to forget that, that this is really the, the fundamental law of our civilization. You know, um, and when this law all of a sudden begins uh, not working or, 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 or creating contradiction that it cannot manage very easily any longer, then you get also the, the corrupt dimension to it to become more and more evident, more and more obvious. So I think that's why we got the financial class today we got, we got, and the political class that comes with it um, that seems so corrupt to us. It is corrupt. But I think that's a reaction to a mechanism that is no longer producing the goods, mm -hmm. right? And, and that mechanism, I know it's difficult to understand it like that because we, we love to have enemies. We love to, to point our fingers against this or that corrupt individual. But that always, uh, to me, is always, it, it's not always the right approach. We need, to, we need to have the strength to look at a bit deeper at, at, at how the, the, you know, the actual system has been reproducing itself. Um, so when you look at the financial, why is the financial system become so, so dominant today? Well, because after 30 years of growth, after the Second World War, we just hit a wall. Um, in the 1970s, early 1970s, we needed to precisely to deregulate the monetary system we needed to privatize more and more. And hence we had that great escape, which, which was the neoliberal, which was you know, validated by, the, by, by neoliberalism in political terms. But that, that is in, in, in inscribed in the logic of capital. It will, it will go where it can make profits, right? It will go where it can make more and more profits. It doesn't care about us. Like capital as a, as a category, um, as a, as a category emotion, right? 
doesn't really care about humans. And we got to a point where we are, we are not able to control it. Uh, what we control, what we can control now is poverty. What the system is trying to control is, you know, poverty, um, the poverty that is created. So this system, I think, will be more and more about the management of poverty, unfortunately, right? Um, because it, it has, I think it doesn't, it, it, it has no way of recreating the conditions, for example, of the 1950s, 1960s, that sort of growth. Those conditions have gone, right? Why? Because you don't get a labor-intensive economy any longer. Think about the use of technology. Think about artificial intelligence even more now, fourth industrial revolution. This is labor, labor being the substance of capital, being replaced by machines, right? But you create value in capitalism only if you pay a salary to a worker. Not if you buy a machine, invest in a machine, because the machine doesn't go to buy groceries. I don't know. Um, you know, let's simplify a little. But if you eliminate labor power, you destroy the substance of capitalism as a civilization, as such. Um, and so the question would be so why are they using machines instead of humans? Because they need to compete on the market. And if you can cut down the cost of production by eliminating, you know, the labor costs, then you have more of a chance to um, to succeed. That is how it was. And I think you laid it out really well, Fabio. Thanks for that. Especially when you spoke about the system as essentially being a conscienceless system. It's got zero empathy because it yeah. puts greed and the pursuit of capital first. And that leads to a society like what we've got, which is where we're at like all-time low in empathy. Human well-being is at all-time lows. Wealth and equality, all-time highs. Uh, and ultimately, I guess for, for people like us, who have a sense of a sense of empathy is what you want is a system that puts human well-being at the forefront. And yet every time we're promised that it leads to oh, oh, another hundred million have died. <laughs> you know, it never works yeah. because we always get the wrong people steering it. I mean, I was speaking to my friend actually. Uh, she's Italian like you, Fabio. We just picked yeah. up from uh, yesterday. She's she's come to stay with us in Poland. And we was having a chat in the car uh, on the way back from the uh, station. And I asked her a question. I said, I said, Christina, I said, if I could give you uh, the, the ring of power, like imagine the Lord of the Rings ring of power, and I could give that to you and you could put that ring on. And if you put it on, you could be the, you could control this whole system. You could make the decisions and create any kind of world you want. Or your other option is to destroy the ring forever. Like Frodo, you could throw it into the fire. I said, what would you choose? And she said, I'd put it on. And I said, well, Immediately, the fact that you put it on suggests that you feel you've got superior insight, and that's the, that's the that's the kink in the armor, isn't it? Then all of a yeah. sudden, you see yourself as some kind of uh, superior being to others, and that's where the power starts to corrupt. Now I know more than Fabio. Uh, Fabio, I know what's best for you, my friend. Uh, and then it goes on and on, uh, and ultimately, I think it it goes down to 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 human nature. We were born with the streak of evil and the streak of good in us you know you can do something so good fabio it could shine a light across the world like your act of charity but you could also do something terrible that would darken the world and that we see that too and i think that's just us that's who we are i think that's the biblical story too so right. I, I don't know how that resonates with you fabio but uh ultimately my belief is we can get to but we can't get to purity or perfection but we can certainly get to something that's more rational and based yes. around human well-being rather than yeah. uh, human exploitation. I, I agree. Yes. I mean, it's the system now. It's totally irrational. But 
it still has a rationality of its own, which has a logic of its own, which is a destructive logic, however. And then you get you get people who are making the system work, attempting to make to you know to continue doing what they've done in the past, um, to preserve, right, uh, the reproduction of capital, whatever it takes, as they say, no matter no matter what they they have to they have to they are you know in a sense these functionaries of capital are enslaved to capital themselves. And I'm I'm I've been you know always fascinated by by this unconscious dimension that capital really is, if you look at it deep down, and how it emerged historically, um, how it managed to conquer us, to naturalize itself, to become second nature for us, to the point that we can't even see it anymore, you know, to the point that we consider it a, a divinity, something that there's nothing beyond. There's nothing beyond it. You know, it's easier to understand, you know, the famous... It's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. We cannot question it any longer, right? We cannot even we don't see beyond it because we think it's some kind of end. You know, it's it's got a it's got a link with infinity somehow. It's it's replaced the, the the gods of the past, the metaphysical, the metaphysical structures of the past. It's kind of secularized it, but it, it hasn't broken that link. We still live in a kind of religious almost. Um, structure where we believe we just believe unconsciously that capital will never stop reproducing itself even if it's creating so much suffering uh, and so much inequalities and so on and so forth and so even if i gave so, you I'm that sorry. ring of power fabio sorry for interrupting yeah. if i gave you that ring of power and and you did put it on let's just imagine you, de you decided yeah i'm going to take it where would you how would you i mean this is a huge question oh my god yes it's a... <laughs> where would you steer it because we like, I, I can understand. It's very easy for me to sit here on a farm and have neighbors and have yeah. a community vibe where we're all, yeah. you know, we're, we're trading, we're exchanging. That works, and that's that's ultimately what I believe that those of us that want to escape this system, that's yeah. all you can do is to try yeah. to create a parallel structure, and we'll see where it goes. Yes, uh, I, I ultimately think that's our only hope. But but let's imagine that you've got to control this big clunky system with billions of people. Like, is it even possible? Is it just the, the scale that's is too big of a scale to actually keep some kind of semblance of humanity within that system? Yeah, I think a lot of it has, you know, something has to shift at a very deep level here. You know, I don't want to say it's a spiritual thing necessarily, but a, a new set of beliefs. I was hoping you'd say it's a spiritual thing, Fabio. Okay, well, it is. It, you know, it is in many in many ways. It depends what you mean by spiritual. It's 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 a kind of loaded term that you can misinterpret very easily. Now, it's a spiritual thing that is, however, connected with material reality, right? Um, with the way we organize our emotions, with the way we organize our enjoyment. You know, let's not forget that that is also got to do with um, enjoyment. In, intended in a psychoanalytic terms as a kind of unconscious relation um, to others and to the things around us. So I think it's a massive shift that will need to take place um, precisely because the, the, the founding categories of the system we live in need to be reconfigured radically, radically reconfigured. Maybe one way of doing it is what you're doing. So setting up parallel ways of organizing social life they can become dominant at some point or they can they can they can become they, they can be seen as the first step towards the liberation from a system that produces 
um, only bad things now, or mostly bad things, and good things only for very few people. So it's it's very difficult to say you will wake up. I could say something. Um, I could give some indication of what or how I see the future in a, in a different light. But I also think that this indication will have to be betrayed maybe a thousand times before it becomes real. So nobody has any nobody has any real vision of what will come next. You can have some kind of indication maybe. But um, I think the fundamental step is the ability to, to, to um, refuse to say no to, to, to certain to a certain way of living or to certain categories. And in that sense, it is a spiritual issue too, right? It, it's, it's got to do, but it's got to do with your freedom. Your freedom is the freedom to say no. I repeat that. I think it's really important. It's not, it's not the freedom to enjoy endlessly uh, whatever wealth you have. Your freedom is your capacity, your determination to say no to a certain set of circumstances that have become unbearable to you. Um, but how it pans out, you know, it's it's impossible to say for me. Um, I think when it becomes too much for most people, they will be, in a sense, they will be forced to think of real alternatives to, to what we have now. And maybe it's already happening. You know, maybe you are evidence, living evidence that this is already happening. I mean, you know, creating some kind of parallel structure that might, you know, antagonize or at least not, not so much antagonist it's not a matter of antagonizing i think it's a matter of surviving outside the the, the dominant global uh, logic of capital uh, finding a way of 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 living out of it it's already a massive step forward you know and i've met people a lot of people who are already uh, doing it or at least they are thinking of doing it um because they sense even without understanding the logic and the they sense that the whole system is is dying. It's not going to provide for them any longer. It's not going to um, support their lives any longer. It, a know? lot, of, I think, for a lot of people, it's the it's a survival mechanism kicking yeah. in, uh, yeah. probably intuitively as well. Like that, they they may, they may not have the understanding or the depth of understanding of the financial system or what's happening, but that they would realize just from having lived through. Uh, the last few years that this isn't normal and and this the psychological right. pressure being put on me is is surreal yeah. i'm almost kind of living in some kind of like a hollywood movie it, yeah. it feels like you're living in the hollywood movie and uh, and i think the parallel systems part of it right now i think there's a lot of naivety around that because what's happening is that there are a lot, a lot of people leaving behind their their old lives of of uh consumption and materialism out of fear and they think right i'm just going to jump into living communally with other people we're going to buy a plot of land together we're going to grow and live happily ever after and i've had so many stories over the past two years of people who did that and some sometimes somebody run off with all the money fabio somebody run off with a million yeah. of other people's money sometimes yeah. they moved together there was an affair and so and so slept with so and so now the community is broken down and Another one, there was people, and it turns out one of the guys was an asshole. You know, these course, this is course. human. This is human relationship. So I think we have to get through the naivety stage, and ultimately uh, have to get through a stage of wanting to escape. There has to be an activism to what we're doing, 
Uh, the system itself is not going to write itself unless people have a higher purpose towards wanting to change that system. Yes. You know, like, like I could run to the mountains and live in my little little hideout and a bunker, but what kind of life's that, Fabio? And what are you actually exactly. contributing to humanity if you do yes, that? Yes, that's that's a very good point. You know, it's not as if you want you want to embrace poverty and 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 live in a in, no. You have so much technological um, power now to be able to provide and to live a decent life at least, right? So the problem is that the way it works, the you know the means of production are used in a way that doesn't benefit most of the people. But that doesn't mean that the means of production are bad in themselves, right? It doesn't mean that the we should go back to living in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of primitive way. No, it it just means that there's a potential for wealth creation here um, and for happiness, which you know the, even technology itself is is uh, making available to us. The problem is is the coupling of technology and capital that is creating disasters, right? The way in which capital uses technology as a as a you know as as, as an end in itself, because capital is an end in itself. It's it goes where it can reproduce itself, forgetting about the people and 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 the planet and whatever, you know. Um, but the potential for, for you know it's huge technological potential you know so i also dislike the idea of oh let's just embrace um poverty or some kind of lower standard of living um because that's the only like way a subsistence out. type living i mean that, that's, that's kind of, of how i live uh, fabio we're, i know uh, well not, Maybe... not fully because i've got the i mean i'm talking to you over there in uh, um, um cardiff i'm over here in poland yeah. we're using technology i think it's that balance isn't it between the two you know, between having some self-reliance, knowing that the system cannot provide for you anymore, it's yeah. almost like an imperative to have some semblance of self-sufficiency. Of course, but at the beginning, you maybe have to go through that stage, right? I mean, especially if you're doing it on your own. Of course, you have to go to go through that difficult stage where it becomes also almost an economy of, of subsistence. But all I'm saying is that if there is to be a collective move away from capitalism, a collective move into a post-capitalist society, it will have to not rely on simply, you know, uh, management of poverty or subsistence. It can create better conditions, housing conditions, etc. You know, education, whatever, for everybody. It can do it because the technology we have, you know, I don't want to go back to to um, a society where you have to work 12 hours a day in a factory to make a living, right? I, I don't think that was right even either. Now we know that, that most of the work can be done by machines. The problem is that we're still living in a society, in a system where wealth is created by labor. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, that's the problem we have. That's the contradiction we have. So we cannot really use technology for production if wealth is distributed really according to your labor capacity because that all that it creates is an army of unemployed underemployed precarious workers flexible workers etc uh, etc et and therefore poverty um, so at some point there will have to be a collective answer to to this uh, and 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 decision to maybe socialize the means of production for for for, for uh, the wider population, um, to benefit the wider population. 
a different idea of time, a different idea of making use of time, of our free time, will have to come into it at some point, right? Uh, I'm not saying, I don't believe in freedom as in complete disalienation from things because a degree of alienation is, I think, is inscribed in human nature as such. So, but a better way of organizing the potential that technology gives us away from this capitalist news now that, that, that makes technology works against us. You know, that needs to be discovered and it needs to be thought, it needs to be imagined a thousand times maybe, but at some point we'll have to come into Okay, Fabio, that's a fantastic place to leave it for part one. And then we'll go straight into part two after I've just going just gonna to grab some water. But okay. um, one thing that I just wanted to add to the end of that, Fabio, is that I think it's important that we are open to all different visions of the future. I think what we talk about with parallel systems uh, is exactly what you said. It's like a primitive return to some kind of mode of safety. And also, I think it's to return to human connection again. I think that's going to be yeah. the fundamental driver of if we could ever achieve what you just laid out, it would have to be driven because there's people there that have become sure. uh, reconnected with one another and actually care about the whole. And I always say, like we were speaking about it recently um, about a parallel system. And I said, well, you know, you can go out and buy like a big plot of land and stuff, but what about the people who don't have the money to buy the plot of land? Well, do, 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 do they not come to the parallel system? You know, I know a lot of people out there who don't have any money. Am I, am I not going to bring them into the fold? They might have skills. They might have... Uh, really good at nurturing all kinds of different things that they would bring and i'm like you really have to you really have to think this through it's really not going to be easy either it's going to require some really emotionally intelligent people driving it and it's going to require us all to kind of level up our ourselves you know psychologically and maybe like in terms of a, a human consciousness we need to get to that next level yes exactly but that's already moving out of of this you know unconscious type of attachment to capital that we have, um, this idea that well, we make we need to make more money out of money in order to improve our standard of living. This is what we need to move away from. Um, but that implies a massive shift in terms of consciousness, uh, critical awareness, but also societal structures. You know, don't forget that we'll that there will have to be some new societal structures. Uh, well, Fabio, I'm going to stop it there. I'm okay. going to I'm going to end you on that one. Right, that right. one, and in part two, I'm going to talk about that, and maybe we'll start with something like the French Revolution, <laughs> because I want to know how how do we get rid of those old societal structures in a way that isn't the cataclysm? Is it even possible? So that's going to be my first question, Fabio. Uh, before we leave, Fabio, is there a way for anyone to find more of your work, more of your content, or just to get in touch with you? I oh email. I, I really like people writing me emails and, and having that kind of contact with me. And um, I, I write on the Philosophical Salon, mostly the short pieces that I write on on this, issues of crisis capitalism. So there's quite a lot that I've written um, in that format uh, in, uh, in, in this, it's called the Philosophical Salon, um, since more or less <clears throat> 2020. Um, other than that, I write books like academics do, but you know, I, I don't like to sort of. <laughs> Well, I will put them much. in the, I'm going to put all the links in the description anyways, Fabio. So I'll add those things. Okay. And, uh, please uh, do send your book links because I'm sure there'll be people that are interested in it, including myself. So yeah, please do that. And thank you so much for joining us, Fabio. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mike.
what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. 